Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be with you. Um, I apologize when we have to run uh, too many encores. I truly apologize to you. Um, but we're back and we're live and I'm I'm just so thrilled. I don't ever want to run an encore. So we're going to try to stay with you all the way. You know what I've been thinking. If you've been following news, and it doesn't matter to me whether you have or not, um, because uh, not following it is maybe a little better, but it's, on the other hand, um, it's, it's good to keep up somewhat so you know what's coming or what's upon us. Um, but you know what? There's so much evil that's planned to come upon us, so much evil. I'm not looking to make you curious, but there's so much evil. If President Trump doesn't get in, um, and even if he does, uh, there's going to be tremendous fights and evil, and it, it's already planned between lockdowns and and um, uh, the uh, COVID nineteen uh, vaccine and um, all kinds of stuff. And beloved, I, I've read so much and listened to so much that the COVID. Coronavirus, COVID nineteen, is simply—is um, it real? It's real, but it's no more real than the annual flu is, and um, uh, it, it's been a hoax to bring in a new world order, to, to the great reset, uh, to control us. Now they're talking about with um, rises in coronavirus all over the place. I've seen videos where. People are, uh, nurses are speaking that um, uh, they're saying the hospitals are full, they're over, they're overworked, and they've had three patients in two weeks. It's, it's a great hoax, not completely, but a great hoax. And the media has done it, and others have done it, because um, as one or two people have said, we don't want to waste a crisis. We want to use everything we can. And it's simply to control us, beloved. Um, and so I'm, I'm just hardly paying attention because we are children of God and we need to live our faith. And if I could instill in you somehow to not worry, to know that God is in control, to know that evil has its way right now in the world, but God does not let it go any further than he wants um, for our restoration, for our conversion. And so my thought is that everybody said, well, what do we do and what do we do? Don't panic. Don't worry. Live your life. And if you're limited, if the schools are closed, if your homes are closed, your businesses are closed, Learn to grow your vegetables. Learn to have a home business. Learn to sell the furniture and the things you don't need. Learn to live as a family. Give everything up, but don't give up love. 
and don't give up your family, beloved. There are people all over the world that have lived in poverty and communism for for years. It's their way of life. They wash their clothes in the in the in the uh, the lake. You know they they don't know anything else. We know great 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 riches in this country, and I don't say we give them up lightly, but. If we focus on them more than our families, more than our loved ones, more than heaven, we are duped. We are victims. But nobody can make us a victim. Nobody can make us a victim if we're children of God. No way, beloved. So what I've thought to do, we're a a week or so away from, a week or so away from Thanksgiving. And, um... Normally, I don't speak of Christmas until Christmas is upon us, and we've been through Advent quite a bit, Advent. But I want to start speaking of Christmas now, because the world is trying to capture us and control us and transform us. We need to make our way within that. We need to live truly in the world and not of it, beloved. So I want to begin encouraging us and reading Christmas stories so that we transform our lives by the grace of God right now, that we don't let the world control us. We don't go through suffering uh, based on the world. We live our faith. We live our faith, beloved. We're being told in certain areas, certain states of this country to wear masks all the time, including at home. Forget it. Just don't do it. This is what's planned if Biden gets in. Just don't do it. I'm not saying if someone comes to your door and says to put on a mask, then you put on a mask. You have them around. You have them handy. But you don't need to live that way. Um, Let us... I don't mean to be an outward defiance. I don't mean to bring danger upon yourself. But to begin to love one another as a family. And... Uh, live the faith at home, read the Bible, read the scriptures, pray the rosary, pray together as a family, read good Catholic books. Hold on a minute. I'm going to sneeze. And um, I have a story that I printed. We have a story that was printed in um, our newsletter, our Christmas newsletter last year. And it's so beautiful that it, you know, people read it in our Christmas newsletter. We've, we've been asked for so many copies of this last year. And um, it's so, to me, so beautiful. It's absolutely doable. It's magnificent, I think. And I want to begin to read it to you now. We have republished it in our Christmas newsletter this year. And the Christmas newsletter will be at our printer tomorrow. And uh, we'll have it out early this year. Because I want everyone to have an opportunity to live it, to put these things into practice. Not to get a nice Christmas story uh, that has nothing to do with them because they can't put it into practice. Everything I'm reading, dear ones, you can put into practice. This is called Waiting for the Christ Child. It's by Michael Matt, the editor of the Renman. And I had an introduction to it last year of why it's so important to me. And Michael Matt has an introduction to it. But I'm just going to read you the story now. 
because it's so beautiful, beloved, and it doesn't matter what you've done in past years. You can begin to put this into effect for your family now, and especially young parents for your children. Be in the world and not of it. I see this as a fairy tale, but it's not. It's real. This is just Michael Matt simply wrote the story of how he grew up. And you think it was a, a story from the 1800s. It's so real, and it's so beautiful, and I love it so much. And I was going to read it to you at Christmas, but I'm reading it to you now in the middle of November. It's November 18th, because this is something, number one, if you don't want to wait till you get our Christmas letter, uh, newsletter, and we're going to have a gift in that Christmas newsletter for you Um a very beautiful book. And so um, if you don't want to wait till you receive it in the mail, um, then just go to our website and go to www.motherofisraelshope.org. You can click on newsletters and sign up if you're not on our mailing list so that you do receive the whole thing, the whole package at Christmas or before Christmas, the early November, December. Um, but you can also, when you click on the newsletter link, scroll down to newsletters and you'll see the Christmas newsletter of last year, Christmas 2019. And just look for the article, Waiting for the Christ Child. You could read it yourself, beloved. And you could follow it and begin to put everything into practice um, according to how it fits with your family. You'll transform your lives, dear one. You will transform your lives. I'm going to read it to you because if I talk much longer, I won't have time to read it. And so I'm going to get into this right now. <clears throat> Michael Matt writes, This will be the fourth Christmas since my father passed away. I suppose everyone misses deceased family members most this time of year. I know I do. My father loved Christmas. I sometimes wonder, in fact, what impact his larger-than-life celebrations of the birth of Christ had on the faith of his nine children, each of whom continues to practice the old faith to this day. I don't want to interrupt too, too much, beloved, but you hear that? Nine children, they're all practicing the faith. And people says, well, most people will say, well, none of my children are practicing the faith, or most of them are not, or two of them are not. And how come this is the way to raise a family, beloved, so that they do, so that the faith, it's not just what we do, it's who we are, it's the identity. Um... Michael Matt continues, he believed, his father believed, that just as Advent, which is a mini Lent, was to be kept well, with plenty of spiritual and corporal works of mercy, so too should Christmas be feted with all the merrymaking and gusto a, f- a Catholic family can muster. Now, we do have Advent coming up before us, and I prom- I'll continue this after the break, but I promise you, beloved... If you don't have a well-spent Advent, which is truly a time of penance um, and prayer, you will not have a wonderful Christmas. You will not understand um, what it is to truly be God's children and to live His story. So, dear ones, we will take your calls after the second break. A toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. Um, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. But I will continue with this story right after the break. Stay with us.
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. structure requires a blueprint master plan and the human body is no different this master plan resides in our dna which provides instructions for the development of the entire body you are unique and different from any other individual that is existing or has ever existed human life is sacred think about it coalitionforlife.com the terry and jesse show Hi, this is Terry Barber from The Terry and Jesse Show. We bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show, 888-526-2151. On the Station of the Cross radio network and heard around the world on the iCatholic radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are right in the middle of a most magnificent, I think the most beautiful one I've ever read, um, article uh, by Michael Matt, editor of The Remnant. <clears throat> and um, he wrote this uh, some a few years ago. Um, it's how he grew up uh, in a Catholic family. And um, uh, he writes it now that it, this is the fourth Christmas since his father passed away. And... Um, uh, he says that um, his father believed that just as Advent, which is a mini Lent, was to be kept well with plenty of spiritual and corporal works of mercy, uh, so too should Christmas be feted with all the merrymaking and gusto a Catholic family can muster. Why am I reading this one on Christmas now? Why aren't I reading something on Advent first? Because you won't appreciate Christmas, beloved, unless you spend Advent well. This is not just magic. This doesn't come out of uh, all of a sudden planning beautiful gifts and decorations for Christmas. This comes out of living a Catholic life, beloved. And you can't have joy if you don't have suffering and penance. It's impossible. And so 
Uh, Michael Matt's father said he knew that children are not born theologians who can grasp the intricacies of the great mysteries of faith at an early age. The faith needed to be lovingly spoon-fed to them, and so the childlike customs of Christmas were for them tailor-made to instill love for the faith before children were old enough to even begin to understand it. Oh, beloved, um, this is how we have to raise their children. Uh, God raised Israel. The whole Old Testament is a coloring book to show them uh, the heinousness of sin by the death of animals and the bloodshed, uh, the holiness of God. And the same thing we need to do for children. They're not going to understand it, but they will begin to grasp the depth of beauty as it is lived, not on holidays only, but their whole lives prepared for the coming of Christ. I better continue with Michael Matt here. What a shame, he says, it is then to see well-meaning traditional Catholic parents discarding those customs altogether in a misguided effort to counter the commercialization of of Christmas. No gift-giving, no merrymaking, no feasting on Christmas. Alas, the baby is being thrown out with the bathwater. In a dreary world where pessimism and cynicism rather than righteousness and peace, have kissed each other, we must guard against robbing our children of the wonder and joy of Christmas, the seedbed for a child's faith. Our poor children may live long enough to see Christmas outlawed altogether in our brave new world, even as it was once before by the pilgrims who invented Thanksgiving out of contempt for the popish feast of Christmas. Anti-Catholics have long sought to destroy our great feast, which is why we must be certain that in our eagerness to oppose the commercialization of Christmas, we don't become puritanical agents working toward the same diabolical end. Beloved, I agree with every single syllable that Michael Matt has written here. It's so, so beautiful. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just because things have been counted by a commercial world that's unbelieving doesn't mean we should throw out all the beautiful joys and, and signs and, and um, lights and music and everything, gifts of Christmas. He continues, many Catholics oppose the custom of Santa Claus. That is somewhat off, that somewhat off-putting caricature of the great St. Nicholas. Admittedly, the red suit, the corpulent figure, and the stocking cap bear strikingly slim resemblance to the 4th century Bishop of Myra. And the flying sleigh and reindeer are more reminiscent of pagan myth than Christian truth. But few have thought to provide a good alternative to the jolly old elf. So I'd like to offer one now by reintroducing readers to the old Catholic Christmas custom that the Germans called Christ, Christkind or Christ Christkind rather Christkind or Christ child and that American uh, children of European immigrants would call simply the baby Jesus. Here is what I remember. It's so beautiful. And I have little booklets here. 
um, we're going to include them with our Christmas packages um, to some very special people. Um, and um, it it is the true Santa Claus, the true St. Nicholas. It's beautiful. Every child should know who St. Nicholas is, which is Santa Claus. That's how it came to be. And uh, Michael Matt says, it all began in Advent when my seven sisters and brother um, were expected to prepare for the coming of Christkind, pronounced Christkind, I should say, pronounced Christkind. Under mother's watchful eye, we would fashion a small makeshift manger that would remain unoccupied until Christmas Day. Now, this is Advent activities, beloved, and you should follow this, at least as a suggestion if you don't know what to do or how to do this. It's all there for us. Michael Matt continues, as Advent progressed, good deeds were encouraged on a daily basis. Now, this is his childhood. And each time it was determined that a good deed had been done, one piece of straw was placed in the empty manger. The idea being that Advent was a time to prepare a bed on which the baby Jesus could sleep when he arrived. Under the rules of the old custom, the practice of virtue was an essential part of a child's preparation for Christmas. Oh, dear ones, I wish every family would take this on. Every single family would take this on. Don't say we could do it in a time of peace. Now's the time to do it. It's a time of war. And now is the time to do it, beloved, because Jesus came to earth in such a time, and he will return in such a time. Michael Matt continues, each night after supper, the lights would be turned down while Advent wreath candles were lit. The haunting strains of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel would be lifted somewhat awkwardly, I suppose, on the voices of children. Shadows and flickering flames played on faces across the dining room table, making it easy for a child to imagine that he sat with the Israelites of old, waiting for the Messiah to come. Dear ones, I... I, Forgive me for interrupting this at every other sentence, but how many children know what Advent is about? How many children, how many families picture that they're sitting with the Israelites who waited 2,000 years for the coming of Messiah? How many people understand that, that we're reliving history? Michael Matt continues, as the four weeks passed, seemingly as slowly as those 4,000 years, one question came constant. Have my sacrifices been enough to please Chris Kent? Have my sacrifices been enough to please him? Beloved, how many children today, how many adults today think that? We may understand a historical lesson somewhat, But do we enter into it, dear ones? Do we say, have I sacrificed enough? Will he be pleased with us when he comes? When we put him in the major, will we have done enough sacrifices to show our love of him, to show our true faith? Michael Matt says, and thus the weeks of Advent were spent in preparation and waiting as they should be. 
waiting, beloved. Our children hardly know what it is to wait anymore. Everything, everything is so instant. Gradually, Michael Matt continues, the empty manger would fill with straw as the stage was sent for a, set for a celestial, celestial visitor with a capital V. Can you see? We take the manger out of our boxes that are in the attic or the storeroom, and we fill them with straw, and we put the baby in. Can you imagine that every piece of straw is the fruit of a good deed, corporal works of mercy, a good deed done for someone in our family, a poor homeless person on the street, people in school, whatever it be, helping someone in the supermarket, and every piece of straw represented a good deed done as a penance and anticipation of the Savior. Have we done enough to fill that manger? Will he sleep on a bed of, this is me, sleep on a bed of straw that is filled with love and sacrifices for him, for our neighbor? And so Michael Matt says, gradually the empty major would fill with straw as the stage was set for a celestial visitor. On the evening of December 23rd, listen to this now, not the 24th, the 23rd, my father would hang a curtain over the doorway of our living room, which, if that straw was piled high enough, was to be transformed into the Christmas room by the baby Jesus himself in the middle of the night. Then it was off to sleep, a seemingly impossible prospect. The Christmas Eve mornings, this is Christmas Eve now, mornings, Christmas Eve mornings, because you see in tradition, the traditional Catholic faith, beloved, um, Christmas Eve was the entire day, the entire day. Christmas Eve mornings, he says, I remember, are marked by a combination of joy and wonder. Children still in their jammies could scarcely whisper the words in a curiously exhausted um, mother. Uh, Did he come, mother? Mama, did he come? Now, this is the morning of Christmas Eve. Did he come? All day long, we were not allowed to go near the curtain, lest one of us should succumb to the temptation to peek, which would be to risk the instant disappearance of whatever Chris Kin may have brought. A lifetime of self-discipline was taught between dawn and dusk on Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve day. After a day of chores and naps and helping with the house cleaning, the anticipated hour of 7 o'clock would finally arrive. We would gather in the back room and sing Christmas carols in candlelight as our mother would read aloud, aloud the story that always began the same way, quote, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustine. Oh, dear. Um, I want to continue reading, dearest, but I'm going to take your calls and emails, and we're going to continue this story tomorrow. It's the most beautiful Christmas story I've ever read. 
what we've lost, what we have lost in this commercial world, the meaning, the history, the identity, what we should have the joy uh, of reliving. We'll be right back, dear ones. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. The Station of the Cross thanks our financial supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to the Station of the Cross and... Um, uh, live streamed on LifeSite News um, and Station of the Cross Facebook and Mother Miriam Live and all over the place. Um, I just learned during the break that we had a, a technical glitch last uh, a session and you saw the still up. So I'm live and I'm back and I hope everything's well now. Um, and we're going to take, uh, for this half hour, which is ours, we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails, and call in with anything on your heart. Our lines are wide open, dear ones. It, it never has to be our subject. It has to be your subject. And the toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have a, a text from somebody who writes it anonymous and says, Hi Mother Miriam, <clears throat> why did past saints inflict pain upon themselves and purposely induce sufferings of their bodies? I'm having a hard time understanding this. Um 
Paul writes in the scriptures that the that the spirit wars against the flesh, and we actually have the old man and the new man in us. We have two men, so to speak, um, uh, two spirits. Um, the old and the new. Uh, prior to baptism, we only have the old that wars against uh, everything. But um, with the with the spirit, uh, the spirit wants God, and the flesh is still with us. And um, uh, we will have the flesh with us until we are in heaven. And so the flesh wars against the spirit. Did you ever try to get rid of a, a an old habit that you can't stand and it doesn't honor God? Um, God wants you to get rid of it and his grace will help you, but your flesh likes sin. It likes its own ways and it's going to fight with everything it has. And so when the saints used to flog themselves and go through all, wear hair shirts and go through all kinds of torture, it was against the flesh. It was against the flesh so that they would say, take that flesh, take that. And if the flesh was beaten enough, it wouldn't be interested in sinning. And so that that was the reason, to get the flesh into uh, order, uh, to beat it. As Paul writes um, in, uh, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that he beats his body into subjection, his body, not his spirit, but his flesh, into subjection, that uh, after having run the race of Christianity, he will not be disqualified from heaven because the flesh took over. So he beats it into subjection, and that's why they did that. Um, is that outdated? It is not. Can we do that today? We certainly can. Um, and uh, But I tell you, um, if you would... Uh, Receive all the penances that God would give you through your spiritual director, through your confessor. Um, if you would live with little sacrifices all the time, uh, you would take control of your flesh. Uh, St. Francis de Sales um, uh, did not give his sisters, when he formed the Visitation of Holy Mary, that order, he did not give them those flogging uh, fleshly penances because he said, you have community, you have one another to deal with. And so if you really deal with that, if you live in a family and you truly deal with one another's imperfections and sins and uh, awful ways and you love them through it and you help them, then that is a, could be more painful than flogging and more beneficial if you can love through that. And so uh, he also gave his sisters penances that they would never eat a single meal with that. Some form of sacrifice that nobody would ever notice. It could be uh, not putting salt on your eggs. It could be not putting cream in your coffee. It could be taking one spoonful of your favorite food uh, rather than uh, a heaping. It, it, you know, anything that nobody's going to know, but it's between you and God at every meal and so you gain control over your fleshly appetites. Okay, um, we have a um, uh, call on the line from, let me just see, I can't get the name, Michael from Boston. Hello, Michael. Hello, Mother. How are you, dear? I'm wonderful. How are you? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, it's the first time I've called it. First chance I got to call. Welcome, uh, welcome, welcome, dear my, brother. It's so good that you called. Thank you. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I get friends of mine, they go to the Latin Mass. I've been to Latin Mass. Wonderful experience. But you want to know what? The Novus Ordo is a beautiful Mass in itself. But you know what? We unified both 
if they had an altar rail, an altar rail at the Novus Ordo Mass. Some do. Some do, Michael. I know. That's yeah. what that's what we're lacking in is reverence. Yeah. Reverence to Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. That's and exactly mother, right. You, and I and I want to tell you something. I'm a police officer. I've been doing it for thirty years, thirty four years, I'm going to my thirty fifth mm, year. Bless you. Keep on slugging keep slugging away, sister. Because you know why? <laughs> the, the bishops has turned into like a good old boys at network. And I hate to say it, but they, 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 they outnumber the good ones. Oh, and that's an awful thing to say, isn't it? But Jesus warned against them. And, you know, he got so upset yeah. one time the way they were treating the temple that he kept over tables. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I believe, as a laity, should be tipping over tables and putting them in their place. And saying, give us back a reverential mass to our Lord, God, Savior. Give us our, let us kneel down. Because the Queen of England came in, everybody's supposed to bow. This one comes, you're supposed to act in the I know, it's tragic. We can't put bishops in our place. We cannot put bishops in their place. Uh, That's God's job. But we can do everything we can uh, to to beg them and to restore... um, Reference, I, Michael. I agree with you all the way. I agree with you all the way, dear one. Um, there are beautiful Novus Auto masses, and I would say, in addition to restoring the altar rail, which is the most important, um, we should restore the priest facing our Lord instead of having his back toward our Lord. So that would be my second plea. But you're right, dearest. You're very right. So God Absolutely. bless you, Michael. And they got to promote. They got to promote. Uh, penance. If you want to yeah. come up here, you don't come up here. You got to go to confession. If I'm the priest and I know, hey, that confession boss is your cobwebs on it because no one's coming in. I'm going to say, this is ridiculous. You have to come on. Even if you want to go to another parish and go to confession, go to confession. I'm here to save your soul. This isn't just a, an act where you punch a time card at the back of the church. We're here, but this is a real deal. And, and that's why, you're right, sweetheart, that's why it's so important that bishops and priests teach the faith, and very few do. How many priests, how many homilies have you heard on confession? Not just go to confession, but why it's such an enormous gift to us, and what penance is about, and all of that. So uh, our priests and bishops need to teach that, just go to confession, because... Many people are too afraid, they don't understand it, and they're afraid. It needs to be taught. Sheep need, sheep follow, and um, they need to not, sheep, sheep are very timid animals, and we're called sheep. We need to be helped, we need to be taught. You're very you know, right. Mother, you, don't want to, you don't want to know, Mother? You want to know what else? The priests and the bishops, they're worried about the money end of it. How are we going to pay this? Forget about it. God will supply that. That's right. He doesn't care about the money. Right. He wants you to go after and save their souls. That's He'll right. supply the money. He'll take care of things. That's but right. They're worried about being everybody's pal. They're mm-hmm. our spiritual fathers. They have to correct us and keep us in mind. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're 100% right, my dear one. Dear brother, I'm so glad you called in today. Your heart is right, and uh, the the fruit of everything you've said is we need to beg our bishops and our priests to fulfill their calling, to not be afraid, to lead us to heaven, and we must pray for them. 
We must pray well, for mother, them. Keep up, well, Mother, keep up the good work, because I know you're up against a lot. There's a lot of bishops that are turning their nose up at you. But you know what? God's going to turn his nose on them, because you're calling the good call. Well, sweetheart, I'm going to pray that God does not turn his nose on them, but that he converts their hearts and brings them to courage and all of that. And as far as we are concerned, it's it's really a mystery that um, uh, so far we're yet in Tulsa, but it's it's God's. We just rest, dear, dear one, in God's will, and we pray for the conversion of the bishops and that they would not be afraid. Michael, dear brother, I love you. God bless you, dear one. Thanks. Thanks a lot, sister. You're doing the best work. Keep it up. Thank you, Michael. We have an email from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, I've been listening to your podcast for the past few days and wanted your advice on how to prepare my son, who is in graduate school in Texas, and my daughter, who is living in a dorm at a university in Indiana, uh, for this coming October, like you mentioned, well, this is an older email, um, but it's still relevant. I'm in Pennsylvania. As a widow, the fact that both my kids have gone so far away to school has made me realize how much I must trust our Lord. How do I prepare them without scaring them? I thank God for your presence on the radio. God bless you. Dear one, um, I'm not afraid of scaring anybody. I think uh, sometimes being scared brings us to our senses. I'm not afraid of that. Um, they should not be scared about uh, uh, many of the things that are prophesied, but they should be scared that if they died in their sleep tonight, they wouldn't go to heaven. So the way to prepare for everything, the coming chastisement, the coming everything, um, is to go to confession and be in a state of grace with God and live your faith. And the way to prepare for everything is 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 to go to sleep every night as if you will not awake tomorrow. That's the only way to be ready. It's the only way to be ready. As far as stocking up on food, several people have said we stocked up on food and it's October and now it's no mid-November and nothing's happened. Well, um, maybe that's because God is merciful and he's gracious. Same thing with Noah, with the Ninevites. Um, Noah waited for God to destroy the Ninevites and they repented and he did not. So we don't know. God is merciful. I think uh, awful things are still coming upon us and uh, maybe God is in his grace is giving us more time. But the most important thing is that our hearts be pure, is that we turn from sin. And dear one, if your children are not going to mass, at the minimum every Sunday, if they're not going to confession, that's what they need to do, whether there's a coming chastisement or not. Um, as far as having food, um, uh, many of the, even the news reports are beginning to say, we need, the schools are beginning to say we need at least a few weeks of food supply with us because of what it looks like from the news is coming upon us, never mind profits. So, um, they just need to live a Catholic life and not be afraid about it. If they're afraid, it's because they're not living in a state of grace. Otherwise, you never need to be afraid. 
All right. Um, We have an email from Jack who says, Dear Mother, I have only recently found you on the Internet and really enjoy your broadcasts. I have a question on abortion as I saw your message about how if someone was to vote for Biden, they would be committing a mortal sin. They would be. Now, keep in mind, they would be committing a grave sin for sure. In order for grave sin to be mortal... They need to know it's grave. They need to um, know that it's going to separate them from God. And mortal means death. And they need to do it, commit that sin of their own free will, not be coerced, not be drunk, all of that. And so if they have heard the message that it's a mortal sin, now they know it and they know it will separate us from God and they do it anyway, then it's mortal. Otherwise, they're just committing a grave sin, which is grave means that it's very serious. Um, He said, I've been tortured by the fact, well, let me continue this one after the break, beloved. Our lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Uh, When we come back, it'll be our last segment, and the toll-free number is one 877 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com and we'll continue with um with jack's email very important one as soon as we get back from the break don't go away We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment together, and our phones are wide open, and you're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. We are just beginning an email from Jack, who writes, Dear Mother, I have only recently found you on the Internet and really enjoy your broadcasts. I have a question on abortion. As I saw your message about how, if someone was to vote for Biden, they would be committing a mortal sin. Just before the break, I mentioned that it would be an absolute grave sin. It's mortal, meaning death to the soul, if one knows it's more grave and commits it anyway, knowing it will separate their, themselves from God. And Jack says, I've been tortured by the fact that my now wife of 34 years had an abortion of a pregnancy by me early in our relationship. And as a young man, I agreed with this. We went on to be married and have three children and are still happily married. However, my wife feels no guilt and maybe it's a defense mechanism, but will not have any conversation that would even accept any guilt. I am racked with pain and guilt as before I met my wife in another relationship, a girl also aborted a child by me with my consent and assistance. This all happened over 35 years or more ago, but how do I get over this guilt while my wife feels none and is basically pro-choice to this day? I love my wife dearly, but this is harder for me to handle, as I truly am so sorry that I once was a young hedonistic sinner, but now I'm anguished over this subject. Any words of advice would be a help. Kind regards, Jack. Well, Jack, I think you know that our Lord died for young hedonistic sinners for every single sinner's sinner and for every single sin ever committed. So, dearest Jack, if you have gone to confession, I cannot imagine you haven't. And if you haven't, please do. Um, if you've gone to confession uh, for both um, abortions and you've expressed your involvement to the priest and he's given you penance, um, uh, the important thing is that you trust God's forgiveness. He has taken your guilt on himself. Don't take it back. He has, uh, Peter writes, cast your cares on him, for he careth for you. Don't take him back. Trust that God, when he died on that cross, died for your sins. And if you've gone to confession and repented and followed through with the penance, you must trust God's judgment of that, not yours. He would not have you live in guilt the rest of your life. He would have you live in thanksgiving the rest of your life for his forgiveness. Um, as far as your wife goes, you didn't say if you were a Catholic couple. I'm almost assuming you are, but your wife is not Catholic, dear one. She is not Catholic. She may feel that she's Catholic. She might be going to church every Sunday, but 
I don't know her background. I don't know if she was Catholic the whole time and never went to confession for that. Um, she cannot receive the Eucharist. I know this is a long time, 34 years of marriage, but if she doesn't want to listen to that language, if she doesn't want to bring up the subject, it might be that she, it's not a belief of hers. It could be a deep fear that she cannot face. But to be pro-choice is not to be Catholic. To be pro-choice is to be pro-murder. And nobody says that, but that's, we use pleasant language to get over our fears and to get over our uh, guilt. But it's pro-choice is not Catholic. God says thou shalt not murder. He's not pro-choice. And so um, it's very difficult. And I would, um, if, if there were a priest that your wife truly trusted, a, a dear, beautiful, merciful priest that could speak to your wife and help her to say, um, I know you were ignorant at the time, uh, God only knows your accountability, uh, but it was a grave sin, and you need to confess it. Um, it may not even been mortal for you because you may not have been Catholic. You may not have understood it, but it's a grave sin, and you need to confess it. Um, a, a good priest who can help her through it. Um, so I would say, Jack, trust God's forgiveness of you. His mercies are new every morning. Mother, Ther- Mother Angelica, rather, loved saying that his mercy is greater than any sin we can commit, and that's very true. He told that to St. Faustina. His mercy is his greatest attribute. He does not want us living in guilt. You have three children, and if they committed whatever sin they did, the greatest sin, and they came to you, and they confessed it, and you saw their anguish, you saw their sincerity, and you said, son, daughter, I forgive you, sweetheart. I forgive you. Was it wrong? Yes. Was it bad? Yes. But blessed be God that he's brought you to see it and to uh, confession and repentance, and you're forgiven. You are not to live with this guilt anymore. God has forgiven you. And he's freed you from that. Why? Because the price wasn't paid? No, because the price was paid for your sin. You want to pay it, but you can't pay it because your blood is not pure. It took the blood of a spotless lamb to pay for the price of your sin. And Jesus paid it. And you must receive that and not be proud to say that you have to uh, be good enough to be forgiven. That's pride. You'll never be good enough to be forgiven. That's why the sinless Son of God came to earth and died for our sins. You need to receive His forgiveness. You need to receive His love. You need to be free to live a life to tell others they could be forgiven and freed of their sin. And um, um, maybe if you fully, dear Jack, can understand that and and give God the burden on your back that you could be um, freer and used as an instrument to tell your wife that God has not come to die for our sins, for us to live a life of death, um, that she can be forgiven. And again, um, um, if, she, if she changes her position of being pro-choice, uh, if she claims to be Catholic and pro-choice, 
Uh, it may be that if she ever switches to the pro-life position, she'll realize her guilt. It may be all too much for her to handle. I know someone that had three abortions, and it was too much for them to handle emotionally to face uh, that to face that emotion was bur- was uh, that abortion was murder. They finally came into the church, finally gave their lives, uh, her life to Christ, and could face it, and was forgiven. And the burden she lived with in the guilt her whole life was lifted, and she was free. Um, and and reached out to others the rest of her days that they could be forgiven too. So, Jack, I think you're the first order here that you need to speak to a priest who will help you to understand that you should not be living with that guilt anymore. And again, if you want to do a general confession, he can help you through it. But trust that whatever penance he gives you, even as if a single Hail Mary for the two abortions, you may not think it's enough. It's not up to you to judge. God gives you that penance through that priest. The priest can't forgive you. God forgives you through the priest, and God gives you the penance through the priest, and you need to trust God through that priest more than your own emotions. The first thing, dear one, is for you to accept God's mercy and forgiveness and no longer live with that guilt and pray for your wife that God would reach out into her heart and utterly transform her through his love and mercy. We will speak with all of you tomorrow. Beloved, God bless you.